Hi, I'm Michelle Olivier, and you're listening to Hey, I Want Your Job, the podcast that looks at amazing jobs and what it takes to get them. Welcome to Hey, I Want Your Job. Fran, I do not want your job, but I need somebody who has very specifically your job, more of them in my life. So we will discuss your services and whether or not I may be purchasing them (laughs) as we go through our chat today. Fran, what is your job title? I am a pain reduction coach and I am a body positive personal trainer and I am a fibromyalgia warrior. I love it. So I am so much to unpack and so much about what I love just about the very titles you have given yourself. So (laughs) I also, um, I guess in my fibromyalgia warrior, I don't think of myself that way. I consider myself as long suffering, generally cranky. (laughs) Fibromyalgia patient. Um, and I am uh, a curvier lass, as it were, um, who has recently um, undertaken, like, we have a personal trainer that we're working with, and he is amazing, like, nothing, no shade to lots. But it was terrifying for me and my husband because of body positivity issues that I did not want somebody who was going to be like, you don't want to be fat. I'm like, I don't care. This is the only person I care about what they think about me naked and he is fine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Good. I love that. That's awesome. I am very like, so that's like some context for why I'm excited about you, but I want to start with you and your journey. Like, how did this happen? Because this is a confluence of things that do not often go together. Um, how did you get here? So let me get ready for my storytelling. Origin here. story. I'm excited. Origin this is my okay, so comic book. We, yeah. Yes, we are going to go back to 2011. Actually, 2010. And through 2010, I was working as an adult educator. And um, there was a lot of stress. And I spent most of that year with headaches and nausea and extreme pain. So when I say extreme pain, <clears throat> pardon me, I apologize. Okay. Extreme pain, 15 out of 10. 15 out of 10. Okay. And blurry vision. And so that was going on for about a year. And then one morning I walked into class into my classroom and I turned on the lights And I couldn't see anything. And I thought, holy shit. (laughs) Like, (laughs) This is how it ends. (laughs) uh, Well, you don't know what the hell is happening, right? So anyway, the vision came back in one of my eyes, but the other eye, nothing. So I kind of staggered myself upstairs, went to my manager's office. She was lovely. And she was like, what is happening? I'm like, I can't see. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I'm going home. And she's like, what? 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 And she's asking quite, I'm like, I gotta go. I'm out. And I left and I just left. I drove myself home and I left. And so I okay, go, so wait, I have a safety concern in retrospect yeah, 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 blind yeah, and you drove yourself home. Well, I could see out of one eye, so it's fine. Well, I had to get home. Like I was, yeah, I know. I hear Not your I was, words, but I hope that you also hear your words. About 100%. You. Okay, 100%. Okay, okay. Carry yes. on, carry on. But I was thinking, well, how am I going to get home? Like, this is really bad. I got to go. So I go and I sit, I I sat in my car and I called the optometrist before I drove home. And they were like, yeah, we can see you, but it can't be till this afternoon. Okay, fine. No problem. So I go home and I just wait. So go to the optometrist. They look in my eyes and then she says to me, she goes, okay, well, I'm going to call the hospital right now. They'll be waiting for you. I need you to go there right away. And I'm like, crap. So I call my husband. Right. Call my husband. I'm like, so I'm going to the hospital. I'm loving. And he's like, what? Like, what happened between the time that I left you and like this morning? And anyway, so go to the hospital, do a bunch of tests. They don't know what's going on. Maybe a brain tumor, maybe cancer, maybe cerebral palsy, maybe MS, like no concept. 
Anyway, <clears throat> no answers. I get referred to an ophthalmologist, which is an eye surgeon specialist, right? One step above the optometrist. And I go in and see him and he tests my eyes and looks and he says, so I get a diagnosis, the diagnosis. And I'm going to tell this to you because some of your listeners, they might be having this and they don't know they have it. It's called central serious retinopathy. And what that is, is the fluid behind the eye. So behind the retina, the tissue that's there is supposed to keep the fluid out, but stress and other things can cause that barrier to sort of disintegrate and have holes in it. And then the fluid leaks through and then it causes the blurry vision. So apparently, yeah. So apparently this is very common. So if you're like a type A stressed out person, like want to do all the things and overachiever and okay. So this is, this can happen to you. So the thing is, the interesting thing is when we look, when we see things, we get two images, one from each eye, and then the brain brings them together as one. That's how we see. So we don't actually have monocular vision. We have binocular, and then it creates one image. So me looking at you is my and seeing only one of you is my brain making that happen. But in my case, my brain decided it wasn't going to do that. So many people that have this condition don't actually know they have it because the brain corrects the vision issue. My brain did not. So what happened was because of all the stress at work, this situation took place and I got this condition. I ended up in bed for four months with no vision in one eye and a migraine for four months. Like no, no word of a lie. I'm not even exaggerating, Michelle. Like you can't even, like when people say that, they're like, oh, like you had to have a break. Yeah, I had a break when I went to the hospital for them to give me drugs and they gave me, so if you've ever had any kind of intravenous medication, they put it, they put it in an IV drip and then they dilute it with saline and then it drips through and then goes into your vein. That's not how they did it with me. They did manual push directly into my vein in my hand. Yeah. Because they were like, we can't dilute this. So my, my time of no migraine was when I was getting the medication given directly to me, Demerol, Tramadol, whatever they gave me. I don't remember. Um, so I'd have like a window of maybe an hour. It would cause me to pass out and I wouldn't feel the pain. Then I'd wake up with a migraine again. Like it wouldn't really go away. So that heals itself. I go back to work. I start to make a few changes. And then I start getting lots of pain in my hands and my feet and arms and legs feels like bolts of electricity. And so I'd be lying in bed and I don't want to use the word sleeping because it wasn't really sleeping. I would pass out from exhaustion from the pain and I would be bolted awake, like literally jolted awake from all the pain in my hands and feet. And so that went on for many, many months until I finally got an appointment with a rheumatologist who diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. And from there, like I think many people, and maybe I'm making a general statement, but you can confirm if this is how you feel. I spent a lot of my time after diagnosis, which was about 10 years ago, um, spent a lot of my time going through the pain recovery flare cycle. And I spent a lot of my time crying, feeling frustrated, feeling hopeless, feeling like is this what my fucking life is going to be like forever? Because this is ridiculous because that's exactly what it was like and um, not knowing what was going to happen. And I tried to be optimistic, but really what I did was plan for my recovery days. So instead of going from living to, Oh, there would be a recovery period. I spent my living time worrying about when the recovery was going to happen and when I needed it. So that's how I lived my life from recovery to recovery cycle for many years, actually. And I got prescribed some meds. So that helped a little bit. So then my pain at that point was about an eight out of 10, which was fantastic. As far as I was concerned, that's great. Like I was living at 15. So eight out of 10 is pretty damn great. As far as I was concerned, it's not just if anyone that's listening is like, it's good. No, it's really not good. Um, but in comparison, it was fantastic. And so then I 
had an injury to my wrist, which caused a big, huge, um, it was just a fat lump in my wrist. But the problem was that I had pain and I couldn't use my hand. So I'm a trainer. I'm teaching. I got to do things. I couldn't like even pick up a pen, Michelle, like that's how bad it was because the pain was so bad in my hand. So this huge lump. And so my um, mentor at that time said, oh, there's this guy I want you to see. And so I drove two hours to see this guy for this. And I got there and he sort of did like a once over, looked at me, did an assessment. He's a bioenergetic practitioner. And I'll talk about that in a sec. So anyway, he looks over and everything and he goes, he says to me, so you drove for two hours for me to fix this? I'm like, yes, correct. And he goes, ah, uh, there's other things. I'm, I'm well aware that there are other things. 100%. But this is causing me all the pain right now. Because at that point, the medication, I had stopped taking it. So this was, I'm going to say six years ago, it's five years ago, I'd stopped taking the medication and was kind of just trying to manage it on my own through food and movement and things like that. And he said, okay, well, your inflammation is really high. So we have to take care of that. And so what he did was some testing to figure out how the organs were working, what was happening, what's the level of inflammation in my body. And um, I changed my food and I worked with a mindset coach. And then I worked with another coach and did tons of forgiveness work and self-love and body acceptance work and all, all the pieces to deal with the pain. And so now I'm pain-free. I'm medication-free. And I live my life at zero. Like today I'm zero. Yesterday was zero. And I expect tomorrow to be zero as well. Like that's where I live. And so now it's very interesting because I talk about this in every single podcast. <laughs> my husband, like I'll say to my husband, I have pain today. And he literally look at me and go, what's your number? Like what, where are you at? Like at a 10, right? Like what's the pain scale? I'm like four. And he's like four. That's nothing. <laughs> He goes, it is not a lot in the relative scale of life. It's not, but having being like being used to living at zero four is huge. Like that's a big deal for me. And so, um, it's a very, it's been a very interesting journey. I've done a lot of different things to manage it. And I found for me changing my perspective on movement, because I said, you know, I said earlier, I spent my life trying to, you know, just kind of figure out recovery time. I would like exercise, but I can't do the same exercise as everybody else does because my, my body doesn't like it. My fiber doesn't like it. And I have osteoarthritis in my shoulders and my back and it doesn't like it. It gets very angry. So I don't really do normal stuff. Like I I'm a trainer. I have a gym, I have a studio and all the normal squat rack, all the things. I can't even tell you the last time that I picked up a weight. Like, cause I, it's not how I train anymore. So I really changed my mind to how I looked at movement. I don't use the word exercise. I don't even like the word personal trainer. I don't like the title, but people know what it means. Like they have an idea. Um, so I changed my mindset. I changed the food that I eat and I really focus on keeping, you know, my inflammation low and my stress low so that my pain also stays low. And that's how I got to where I am. So my husband is eventually going to hear this fucking thing. And then he's going to be like, see, that's the stress and you should do less. And I'm going to be like, I'm sorry. Did you, did you like food? <laughs> do, do we like to have nice things? Because the stress goes with the paycheck. Um, so just I can already hear the the fight that you have just caused in my household so thanks for that Fran you're welcome my pleasure anytime mm -hmm, mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. um I literally I know that there are people out there who don't have pain every single day of their life I can't even imagine that world and like it makes me really emotional to hear you talk about being at a zero because I like I absolutely I absolutely know I have um, multiple herniated discs in my back. I have um, compression issues in my lower back so that like my chiropractor literally cannot adjust me. Um, I had um, dislocated ribs for like three weeks that like there was so much inflammation, they could not get them back in. And um, so I was just walking around with 
dislocated ribs floating Mm -hmm. and poking at things that shouldn't be floated at or poked at. And like, that is my life. And like every single day, it feels like I got hit by a truck at the end of the day. And like what you said, so I don't even have a cycle, like it's just every day. Mm -hmm. And so I have like a few hours where the pain is less. And so I have to cram all of the physical, like doing and momming and being into that time. And then the rest of the time is just me trying to recover enough to have that time the next day. Mm -hmm. And I can tell that like you've, you've been there and like, so I have two small children, four and five do not understand like fibromyalgia like that's not a thing and Mm -hmm. so they don't understand that right now mommy can't pick you up and like Mm -hmm. I've had to change I've had to buy new cookware because I can't lift anymore the stuff that you know I I used to use um and it absolutely impacts every single thing and I know um for me and this is all just me like unnecessarily sharing about my life but um I know for me, one of the things that has been true, I got diagnosed with fibra. My doctor was like, well, that fucking sucks for you. I'm sorry. Yep. That's what you get. Yep. That's what you get. Too bad. Sucks. Live with it. Deal with it. He was like, you should probably like sleep more. That's important with fibra sleeping rock on. And like that, (laughs) and, and I don't mean this to diminish my doctor. Like he is a great doctor. But he's like, there's just not a lot we can do. And I think that one of the things that is really hard about fibra for me, and I would love to hear your take on this, is the things that you get told about it make it sound like it is in your head. Mm -hmm. Because they say things like, well, it's usually from some kind of a trauma in your past. Or if you just like, you know, learn to accept your body, the pain goes away. So it's really a psychosomatic. And I'm like, I'm a psychosomatic you into fucking oblivion if I hear that again. But that is the kind of rhetoric we hear around fiber, at least I have. What is your experience and what is your response to that shit? Okay, I got a lot to say about this. Okay. <laughs> So, so first of all, I want to say to you, Michelle, and to anybody else that's listening, number one, everybody's fiber is different. Okay. So that, that I think is part of the problem, but, um, so my question to you and to everybody listening is, have you, have you done some research on pain? Have you done some reading on pain? Yeah. Yeah. So I would, there are lots of resources out there. Um, Dr. John Sarno is awesome. Um, cure, uh, is a great book. Um, this, the pain relief secret is a great book. Um, the body keeps the score also another good resource to look into. So the thing I want you, the thing with pain is pain is very complex. There isn't one source of pain. And the thing about pain that I want you to think about is so we'll use our tattoos because we have tattoos, right? So I'm going to use this as our example. Okay. Tattoos are painful. Yes. I mean, yeah, like it depends on location and everything okay. else. Sure. Yeah. But on a scale, yeah. but okay. Probably, so they, like it's not an experience. It's not a sensation I want all day, every day. So no. yeah, basically. <laughs> they're painful, but they're okay. And we keep going back and we get them. And sometimes we're there for an hour and sometimes we sit in a chair for six hours, like, but it's manageable pain. Yeah. Okay. Um, but physically they're tearing the skin and we're bleeding. Like that's what tattooing is. Right. Okay. But we still go and we still have more and we still enjoy the process. Like we do because we go, we, we continue with it. Our brain has learned, right. That this pain is okay. It's acceptable. It's not too much to take. We can manage it. So I want you to think about your brain is like a catalog of experiences. So think about your kids, right? When kids are learning to walk. Yeah. They learn to walk. They fall down. Do they cry? Not always. Oftentimes it's the people around them and they see their responses, right? Like as a mother, you go, Oh my God, are you okay? Like, oh my God. 
right? Like you, and then your child goes, oh, I, is it okay? I should do something. Maybe they cry. Maybe they don't, right? Depending on the reaction. So the brain then stores that experience, that it stores that event. So let's fast forward in life, okay? And so when you were, when you were a child, you fell, you cried, you got love, snuggles, a nap, a toy, food, the boob, whatever, like whatever, right? So the brain keeps that in there. So later on as an adult, as we're going through our life, something happens, we have pain. I'll put it in quotation marks, not because it's real, but I just want to hear for a moment. Your brain now has these memories of pain that you've experienced through your life. And the important part is not the experience. The important part is what you received when you had pain. So if you received love, caring, compassion, whatever, right? Then your brain goes, oh, if we get pain, then we get love. If we have pain, someone gives me pizza. <laughs> like, and so, right? So, and I'm I'm simplifying, oversimplifying, but that's what happens. So when we have pain in our body, the brain is looking through our past experiences and deciding what it's going to tell us because we don't know we have pain, okay? We bang our hand, the signal goes through the nerve receptors up the spinal column to the brain and the brain goes through its catalog of, of experiences and says, what is happening right now? Do we have anything that's similar? And so then it says, yes, we do. We did this before, remember? It hurt, we cried, good. The signal comes back, I go, ow! And then I start to cry. And I want you to, this is the important piece. What do I get from external sources if I have pain? Do I get a timeout? Do I get to go have a nap? Does someone give me pizza? Does someone give me a hug? Like, so it's, it, pain is, is very complex. It's not just one thing. Does that make sense? The way I'm explaining it? Yep. yep. So when we have pain, I'm not saying pain's not real. Obviously it is. Like when your ribs are out of place, that hurts. Like your ribs are in the wrong spot. Like it's physical pain. So when we talk about pain, there are many components to it. So you have to think about, is it like something has moved? So our body, our ribs are supposed to be in a particular location. When they are pulled out of that location, it hurts. And our brain tells us that to protect us, right? Says, Michelle, ribs out, this hurts. Every time you breathe and move, please don't breathe and move. Like, don't do any more of this stuff, right? No air for you. That's no the air for you. But what happens then, though, is the bot. then you go, oh, okay. So then you actually pull back and don't do as much as you should have because you have pain. So your body's protecting you from further injury, from making it worse, right? From something else getting injured. So the pain is real. The pain happens, but sometimes it's not physical. It's not like your ribs at a place. It's based on experience and memory based on what you get from somebody else. Does that make sense? So if I grew up in a, I'll use it. If I grew up in a household where my parents, I'm the oldest child. My, I have a client. She's the oldest. Her, her daughter's the oldest. She has two younger siblings. Her daughter has pain. I coached her this week, actually extreme pain for no reason at all. There's nothing wrong with her. She's 22 years old, but her brother and sister are autistic. They're on the spectrum and the parents are, have given all of their attention to these two higher needs children right? Through her whole entire life. So for her, the 22 year old daughter, if she says she has pain, then the parents, instead of being with the two higher needs kids are like, what can I do for you, Susan? How can I, what do you need? So the attention shifts to her for that time being. So in her mind, her brain is like, we need attention. We need love. We need this focus from our parents, from our caregivers, and the way that we can get it because we have these siblings who are much higher needs than I am, I can be in pain. So when I'm in pain, then the focus comes to this person. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, so sometimes that's what's happening. And so in many cases, not many cases, in some cases, I'll say, when people say they have pain, it's not that they don't have pain, but my question is what, how does it serve you to have pain? 
because there are elements of pain. And I know, cause I did, I went through, I did the work myself. I've gone through it too. There are times where pain and saying I'm in pain and allowing the pain to be there serves me. It gets me something that I need, whatever that is. And it looks very different for different people. But when you come back to the tattooing, this is painful, right? But I can endure it. I even go back, right? Like kids falling, like I said, they don't necessarily cry because their brain doesn't know any different because the body doesn't know you have pain. The brain has to tell you. It's the receptor that gives that message. So if we can interrupt the cycle and teach ourselves when is it pain? When is it discomfort? And when am I using it to get something else that I need? Then we can start to differentiate what level of pain we're in and what kind of pain we have. Because there's no doubt that absolutely when your ribs are out, it hurts. Like, I mean, your muscles are holding your ribs in the wrong spot. Like they hurt. Like that's, that's real, right? But there's also structural. If you have, you know, a curvature of the spine, that can cause pain. Like that's a structural thing. But then there are other things where is it truly like pain or are you telling yourself that you have pain because there's a purpose for it? And the purpose can be something very self-serving. Like I do not want to go to that function anymore on Saturday night that I said that I was going to go because it's all the people that I don't like that give me lots of trouble and they're toxic and negative and blah, right? So I, so I can manifest pain for myself. So then I can say, I can't come because I have pain. Sorry. And it served me, right? Do I really have pain? Sure, probably. But is it bad enough that I had to cancel? No, no, no. But I'm, I'm going to tell myself that it is. The brain's like, but we got it. Okay, we know what you want to do. So you can cancel. And then everybody goes, okay. Does that make sense? I know that was it a does. very long answer to no, your question. it was. And I, it does make sense, I guess, for me. I am not a good woo-woo person, right? Like, I am oh. not going to rub a crystal on any fucking thing. You don't um, have to. I, no, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But um, my, it is so frustrating, and I know other people feel this way, mm-hmm. to, in modern clinical era, era, rather, to have a condition that there's not, take this pill and you'll feel better. If there were Michelle, I'd be a bajillionaire. I oh, would be, I get it. I'd be lying on the beach with a margarita. Like, let's yeah. be clear. I'd be doing any fucking work. Like, I'd be selling, I'd be hawking that on the corners. But I, I get what you're saying, right? Like it's it, just, yeah. It it feels like I hear everything that you're saying and totally understand. And and that's what you know, when I got the diagnosis when we did the research and yeah. like what are we gonna do about it? All of that, like all that comes out and I have a therapist that I talk to and um, she's like, sometimes your body is just mad at you. <laughs> your body well, just thinks you do too much. Yeah. And there's a part of your brain in the back that says you have to stop. And even if you don't reward it, right? Like it's just going to keep going until yeah. you listen. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not saying it doesn't. So so the thing I want to, there's a couple of things that come to mind as you were talking about this. So, so this is where I was. And so maybe you can resonate with this. I feel that if you, when I was at the height of my pain and when I went and saw um, Jason, the practitioner that I saw that really got me on that helped my wrist and got me on the road to recovery um and and pain-free when I saw him I was like he's like well what do you you know what can I tell you I go I don't care what do you want me to do I will do if you want me to cut a head off a chicken and do a freaking rain dance in the middle and the full moon like what do you want me to do I I don't care because the the thing is and that's where the key is right people need to understand Number one, there are many components to pain. Number two, you have to deal with all of the components of pain, okay, and the the things that cause it in order to minimize it. And you have to want to do it because you have to do the work. So from a pain point of view, 
And I get what you're saying. Like the medical world should be able to fix this. But the truth is they can't. I mean, fibromyalgia has been around since the 1800s. And if they haven't figured out how to fix it by now, they're not going to. So I figured, this is only my opinion and my journey. You want me to cut the head off the chicken? Then I will. Like, I mean, because I don't, I can't be in pain anymore. And that's where you got to kind of come in. And so the thing with fiber, which I find interesting, is that we have pain. And the pain is caused by inflammation. So you have inflammation in your body and it causes pain, but fibromyalgia is not an inflammatory condition. That is not a symptom of fibro, but when we have poor gut health, when we have high stress, when we have poor sleep, all of those things contribute to inflammation and the inflammation in our body causes pain. And so as fiber, as people that have fibro, we say we have inflammation, we say we have pain, but those two symptoms, like they don't go together. It's it, Inflammation is not part of fibromyalgia. That's not what it is. It's the hypersensitivity to all the stimuli. The inflammation is something else that's happening in the body. It's not the fibromyalgia because fibromyalgia is not inflammatory, not like, not like arthritis. So it's very different in that sense. Um, but I think, you know, when you're dealing with pain, I, and this is what I tell my clients, the first thing you have to do is deal with your inflammation. And the, the, and usually it's all about gut health. And so there are inflammatory foods that you shouldn't eat. And it can make a big difference in your life. So that's a really interesting point. And I um, would love to hear more because my, my bestie and I, she is a lot more, a lot higher woo-woo tolerance than me. Like she rubs oils on her and calls it healing. I'm yeah. not that girl. I'm awesome. Like, oils are awesome. Just use them. Sure, sure. Hey man, I'm <laughs> like, I also rec- recognize that the placebo effect yes, is poorly sure. understood and extremely strong that people have recovered from insane things based mm-hmm. on a placebo effect. And if it works, God love you. Keep doing it. Right. Like mm-hmm. I got no, no drama with that. I just personally, because of my lack of woo woo tolerance, I'm, I'm not there. Yeah. It does nothing for me. So at any rate, all that disclaimer and not with aside, um, you know, her mom has RA. And so she talks a lot about like, you know, citrus is an inflammatory food. And I was like, I had never fucking heard that. So I Googled and it was like, this is something that woo woo fanatics say it is not a thing. Yeah. Like, but I also understand that there are things like a lot of people don't realize that potatoes, tomatoes, and eggplants are all nightshades. Nightshades, yeah. And that nightshades, like, just the reason we call it deadly nightshade is it does weird and bad shit to your body, <laughs> and that those same chemicals exist in smaller doses across the family, and people have different sensitivities. So, what are the foods that? like that there is actual medical research on and how do you, if you want to find out, differentiate between the stuff that has that and like the lists of woo-woo, like don't yeah. eat citrus that'll, you know, make okay. them flames. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I get what you're saying. So the thing is, so the thing with research, this is the funny thing about research and especially with the internet now, mm. you can find, you can find proof for everything. Yes. Everything and you can find things that debunk everything else. So the thing is, is that, so for me, what I do with my clients and this, and the, and I preface this, Michelle, the thing is, is that you need to know what your triggers are. Okay. You have to know what your triggers are. And the easiest way to find out what your triggers are is to remove them and then to reintroduce them. And that's the easy, cause you have to heal your gut. Like you just have to. So inflammatory foods include gluten. Okay. So if you have not read wheat belly, you need to read wheat belly. The, the kind, the gluten that we eat today the wheat that we have today is genetically not even similar, not the same, just not even similar to the ancient grains that we used to eat because it's so mass produced, so many pesticides. It's been so genetically modified. Gluten is, is inflammatory. Dairy is inflammatory. Dairy causes mucus, right? So then if you also have lots of mucus that can cause inflammation sort of here in the sinus area. So that causes some problems. Corn, corn is another one. Corn is just, you know, you eat corn and it looks the same when you poop. Yeah, correct. Because your body's not digesting it. Like that is a good, 
indicator, right? Sugar. So sugar. So this is the thing I tell people, if you want to think about inflammation, remove sugar from the diet. So from a scientific point of view, because I know you like science, the body's made up of fascia, which is all of our connected tissue, which allows our body to move, right? So I can move my hands and they're flexible. So all the um, cells and, and muscles are surrounded by fascia. So the way fascia works is when it's healthy, it, it slides, it's flexible and it slides very pliable. Yeah. When fascia is not healthy, it doesn't have enough blood flow. It gets sticky like Velcro. So I want you to think about, imagine, you know, when you're walking and you have that pull at the bottom of your foot and then many people are like, I have plantar fasciitis. Yes, you have inflammation of the fascia and that's because there's no blood flow and the fascia is unhealthy and it's stuck like Velcro. So you're trying to actually move and there's no movement. So it causes pain and your body says, please don't do that because we don't like it, right? So fascia, sugar really affects your fascia. So if you're going to change anything in what you eat, eliminate sugar. Now, is that yeah. refined sugar? Because fruits also have sugar, right? Fructose yes. is just as much sugar as glucose, but yep. they're, you know, slightly different. Yes. So chemically speaking, is fructose better or should we just like, just live on, you know, tubers and, um, and vegetables that have low sugar? Like what, what's, yeah. What's yeah. That? It's a great question. So I want, so this is always very extreme for people. And I, again, it depends on what you want to achieve. So I say to my clients, I want you to get rid of refined sugars. If you have sugar in your diet, then what I want you to do is you only get 20 grams of sugar a day. So you're going to track it because the thing that the tracking is the important piece, Michelle, because you need to figure out what is affecting it. Right. And, and you need to, you need to heal the gut. The gut is not healthy. And if it's not healthy, everything else is not healthy. So we need that to be healthy and happy. So this, I eliminated everything except for berries. I had berries. That's what I had when I, and I did it for three months. So I, I didn't, I didn't limit what I ate. I changed what I ate. So I had all the berries, all the vegetables I wanted. I didn't eat nightshades because nightshades really cause a flare for me. They really impact me. So I didn't have those anyway. And all the meats and fishes that I wanted. Okay. And I did that for three months. I did zero exercise because I had lots of inflammation and, and I was told nothing. I'm like, I can walk. No, you can't walk. I can do yoga. No, you may not do. I couldn't do anything three months. And all I did was change my food and really was getting rid of that sugar and anything processed in three months. My inflammation went away. I had zero pain and I lost 30 pounds. Oh, wow. And I felt great and I slept better, I pooped better, all the things. And it was very extreme. Like in a way it was very extreme, but I also remember, and you taught, you mentioned this earlier, about I love food. Like you love, I love food. So I remember, you know, we do meal prep at the beginning of the week. My husband goes out, buys like four, four whole chickens, roast them in the oven. We got all the vegetables, blah, blah. I send him a message at work. I remember this so distinctly. It was like the second week. I think I was on this eating regime, right? This anti-inflammatory thing. I send him a message. I'm like, it's Wednesday at the end of the day. I'm like, babe, we're going to run out of food what? He goes, I said, we're going to run out of food. What do you mean we're going to run out of food? I made two big trays of vegetables and I cooked four whole chickens. I know we don't have any food left. And he's like, what happened? I'm like, I ate the chickens. And he's like, you ate four chickens. I'm like, well, there's a couple chicken legs for you for dinner. And I have a little bit of breast meat for dinner. And there's a few vegetables. Like there's one serving. He's like, what the hell? So I didn't even limit what I ate. Like, that's the interesting thing. I find it very fascinating. Mm -hmm. I didn't limit anything. I ate as much as I want. If I wanted to eat a whole chicken in a sitting, I ate the whole chicken because I wasn't eating anything else that was filling me. Do you understand what I mean? That was yeah, like, yeah. so like no grains, no pastas, nothing like no breads, nothing like that. Right. Because that's the thing with sugar, right? That's where I want people to remember Sneaky. sugar is not just about added sugar or sweets. Bread has sugar in it. It's a simple sugar. I have so to say, so, right? not to interrupt, but like, so we, um, we switched to only eating like whole grain um artisanal bread instead of eating anything mass produced and so we had like months of whole grain like sourdoughs and and that kind of stuff and then we were out of 
the grown up bread and I had some of the cheap bread for my children. And I had, I tried to make a, a cucumber sandwich and it felt like I had dipped it in sugar. Like yes. it was like, it's so sweet. It's so yeah. sweet. Yes. And then I was like, oh my God, I feed this to my kids. <laughs> yeah. That seems bad. And so, and they don't even like it. They are like, ah, I mean, I could do without it. They would much rather have something else anyway. So we have just stopped buying it as a yeah. whole, but yeah, yeah, like to your point, I knew intellectually that there was a high sugar percentage in processed white bread because there's nothing nutritional in it. Like it's basically like sawdust and sugar <laughs> being held together. Yeah. And oh, it but it was it was extremely eye opening in like the worst possible way. Like we had a breakfast loaf that is apples and raisins mm. um, in a sourdough. And like just the plain white bread from a major national producer of white bread, mm -hmm. yeah. so remain nameless, was infinitely sweeter. Oh yeah, than the artisanal yeah. loaf breakfast bread, which was just insane. Yeah, but you don't know, like, see, that's a that's where that's why the knowing and like taking it out, eliminating it, and then reintroducing it, then you kind of see like what is happening, right? And, and you notice like, like I, peanut butter, peanut butter is a good example. Peanut oh, butter has sugar and salt in it. And I, we have peanut butter, but we have just peanuts. Like that's what's yeah. in it. Just peanuts. People are like, it tastes terrible. It tastes like shit. I'm like, no, it tastes like peanuts. Like it tastes like peanuts. You're not used to eating peanuts. You're used to eating sugar and salt with this much peanut in the whole entire jar. The rest of it is sugar and salt. So you don't know what peanuts taste like. So when people are like, oh, that tastes horrible. Are you sure? Because I feel that you haven't eaten peanuts before or real peanut butter, like, because you, you're, you've, you've had these chemically created things. And so this is where I think, Michelle, many people run into problems. If you buy lots of things that are processed and packaged, then when I say to you, okay, well, we're going to, you know, get rid of that. So we're going to eat fruit, all the berries. And you're going to just for a few months and we're going to have whatever meats you want and the fish and all that stuff and all the vegetables. Don't even worry about limiting the vegetables. Just have what you want. And I have people that are like, what am I going to eat? I'm thinking, I'm, mm, I'm pretty sure I just at least a hundred things. All the food that is growing in the world, like naturally you can have that. The only thing I've limited you at this point is some of the food, some of the fruits. That's the limitation I've given you. But other than that, I feel that I've given you a lot of foods to eat. People are like, no, I don't know what I'm going to eat because they buy things that are processed. Yeah. And that's where the problem lies is that you're looking at those things. So, yeah. So talk to me about bananas in particular, because I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm thinking, you know, I can. Bananas are good because they've got potassium in them. That's right? what I was thinking. Is that like, so right? I get told a lot by the various nutrition-y, medical-y people in my life that people who have fibra and back issues and endometriosis and, and, and should eat a lot of potassium <laughs> that it's good for the, the connective stuff and it's good for yep. the muscles and it helps yep. with all that. But bananas are like pure sugar. Oh yeah. They're sugar. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So like I don't, I don't really eat bananas to be perfectly honest. Um, once in a while I eat them. They're not my favorite fruit. Like if they're my, I mean, I understand they're, they're fast and they're a quick snack and you can, you know, they're easy to <laughs> grab. And eat. Um, but if I were putting you on an eating regime, I would say, no, don't have the bananas for now. Um, but then you can definitely reintroduce them. You have to decide what your body likes. Like that's the thing you have to decide what, what your body can tolerate. And right now you're just in a state of inflammation. So basically like, cause think about it. So wheat is a good example. It takes the average person four days. This is someone with no sensitivities, four days to digest wheat to eat. You eat it. It goes through your, it takes four days until all of it is gone. So now I want you to think about, I ate it on Monday. So now that's not going to go till Friday, but then I had it on Tuesday. So now I'm not eliminating till Saturday. And then I just keep compounding. So as you're eating that, you're, you're adding the inflammation still in the gut. It's not actually getting a chance to even digest it and to process it and eliminate it because you just keep packing in more that the body has to work to digest. So your organs, like the stomach and the intestines and everything is doing a lot of work to try and break down the gluten before you can even eliminate it. 
and poop it out if you're lucky. And then there's still more to come. So you're constantly filling yourself with poop, basically, right? Like really, right? With with waste material that you can't actually catch up on to get rid of. So you have to really think about, uh, this is my opinion. I, I get very passionate about this when we talk about I food. I can tell. You're, it's great. But yeah. I think people need to sort of decide what are you willing to accept and what are you willing to sacrifice in the moment? Because, you know, when I was doing that, I eliminated all sugar. So no wine, no alcohol of any kind. And I was like, oh, and I was a, a wine drinker and I really liked wine. Well, wine is a lot of sugar, like a lot of sugar. And so then I, I was like, okay, it's fine. I get, I, so I don't drink wine. And it's funny. My husband and I had our wedding anniversary last week and last weekend. So we were like, well, let's get a bottle of wine. I'm like, okay, let's get a bottle of wine. Oh my God. I could not get out of bed the next day. Not because I was hungover, because the pain that I had from the sugar was unreal, like unreal. So sometimes through this process of, of reducing the inflammation, getting a handle on the pain and what's going on, you have to make some sacrifices and you don't have to do anything. I recommend it, but you don't have to do it. Um, but the thing is, you got to decide, I think, where you want to be for the rest of your life. Like you got little kids. There are people listening that have kids and grandkids. And do you want to be in pain all the time and not be able to actually fully participate in life as they grow up? Um, or is it worth a sacrifice for three months or four months to kind of figure out what are the things that are triggering you and then eliminate those and then work on healing things. And then you can reintroduce them and see how you feel. Right. Um, so it is a big part of it. Um, emotions are a big part of it. You know, if you don't heal your negative emotions and if you have a lot of stress in your life, that can affect your pain. Um and just coming back to your potassium, because I think this was originally about the bananas that we started talking <laughs> about. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, no, that's I, okay. Like, yeah. I, I totally, no, this is, yeah, you're fine. I think one of the things, so everybody should, everybody, fiber or not, should take magnesium supplement. Everybody should be taking magnesium. Magnesium is the element that we create in our body. It is the one that we create, but we also burn it first when we're stressed. So everybody should have a magnesium supplement. If you have, if you have like restless leg syndrome or you get cramps in your calves or your other muscles, you don't have enough magnesium. So get a magnesium supplement, take it, uh, take it before you go to bed. I like liquid supplements. I find them much easier. They're much easier to absorb and you, you actually get more from it than taking a capsule because you got to think the body has to break down the capsule first to then get the magnesium into you or whatever supplement you take. So I take um, liquid magnesium before bed. I take a tablespoon. Tastes like cherries. I don't really like cherries. So it personally tastes like shit to me, but um, I, I shoot it. I like Put it with a little bit of soda water, like a flavored, like bubbly stuff. You know what I'm uh -huh. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love bubbly. A shooter. And my husband's like, are you doing your shooter? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so before I go to bed, he's like, did you do your shooter? I'm like, yeah, I did. Yep. Oh, my God, I love go. that. So, love yeah. That. So add some magnesium. That that might be something that will help with some of the pain or some of the muscle aches and stuff that you have. Magnesium's great. Chlorophyll is fantastic. Um, you can get that as a liquid supplement. Mine tastes like peppermint, so it's yummy. Um, so, but B vitamins are really good. Um, so as much as, you know, ideally we want to get all of our stuff from our food, but our food is very different from how it was hundreds of years ago. Right. And so mass produced. So take a supplement. There's nothing wrong with supplements, but I would recommend liquid because they're just easier on the digestion that doesn't have to do anything. It's a liquid. It's very easy. So I think you will just find this interesting. This is a total aside, but I think you will, you will enjoy the squirrel with me. So um, obesity in native communities is ridiculously huge. Like we all struggle with obesity. Um, and they think that a big part of that is that wheat is not from our, is not historically from our world. Like, the, yes. you know, thanks Whitey. <laughs> Yep. Y'all brought it over. So, um, but, but that our bodies don't process it exceptionally well. Like we are exceptionally bad at processing it. And yet the foods that have been introduced to the native communities 
by the white people are things like fry bread and that sort of thing that are very, very cheap and made from like the worst wheats and that sort of, and that even like the corns that we ate and the ways that we ate corn was very different. Yes. And yeah. was prepared differently from how modern corn gets eaten. But they think that actually a huge part of um, the obesity epidemic and um, some of the other healthcare issues in the native community is actually um, modern wheat varietals. Oh, yeah. It doesn't surprise me at all. And well, yeah, the because... same with the alcohol, that that's part of why it affects us sometimes differently yep. with a higher degree of um, uh, addiction than white people's bodies is because of the wheat, especially in things like that are rye based, yep. um, et cetera, that it really affects us. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's sounds like you already knew, but I thought that was fascinating when I it found is. out, like I was supposed not- to be eating Buffalo, a lot of Buffalo. A lot of buffalo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but it's interesting though, when you think about it and you kind of look at all the pieces. So there are so many components, you know, that, that attach into this whole pain issue or if you're dealing with obesity issues and and like poor sleep or poor digestion like there are so many elements to it and so it's such a complex thing Mm -hmm. to deal with so you know honestly my advice michelle really is you got to deal with the inflammation that that is the number one thing for anybody that's listening for you for everybody inflammation is the number one thing and and if you can get the inflammation under control and reduce the inflammation that will reduce your pain. Like think about inflammation It's kind of like inflating a balloon. Well, the balloon only like our, our, our body is only so big. Like there's only so much space with all the joints and the muscles and the bones and all that. And then when you add inflammation in there, it can only expand so far. And once it hits its maximum, then I get pain because there's no more space. Like it's like logistically not possible, right? So if we can kind of bring that down, then that will definitely impact the pain that you're dealing with. So that's sort of the, the number one thing that I deal with people. What's that is so opinion? interesting. And mm-hmm. I mean, cause you're not, I'm, I'm, I'm right in saying you're not a, a licensed nutritionist. No, nope, okay. I'm not. Um, so, but you like speak from personal experience and yeah. research, et cetera. Um, and I, I have certainly heard similar things from licensed nutritionists um, to reinforce that. That's very interesting. So what is the line then between, because as, as I'm hearing you talk, um, the things that you're recommending sound more and more like a keto diet or like a, um, what's the other one where they only eat, like you can eat whatever you paleo? want. Like, paleo? The paleo? Is that the one that's like nothing can be processed? I thought yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's paleo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what is the differentiation there? Because I have heard that keto is really bad for your body in like a well, longer term. So, so yeah, so it's interesting because you can't, so keto is really bad in the long term because you're giving it lots of fats. You're giving your body things that it has to work to break down. And it's very hard for the kidneys and the liver and all of the organs that have to break all that stuff down. Um, so from a long term, it keto is not good. In the short term, it absolutely works. So the thing to me, I don't really like labels. Okay. Um, but um, the thing I find interesting when people go on keto or paleo or whatever they, whatever they want, gluten-free, whatever they are, right? They end up losing weight. And do they lose, so this is my take, do they lose the weight or maybe their pain goes down or inflammation, whatever their goal is, we'll go with weight loss. They lose weight because it's a paleo diet or it's a keto eating regime, or do they lose weight because they're not eating shit anymore? (laughs) Like (laughs) you can't eat anything that's processed on keto or paleo. So is it the keto? Oh, that the is keto? not true. There is so much processed garbage for keto these days. I don't like, know. I don't, they, I, I don't. They are ready for you with are the they? processed keto okay. garbage. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think part of it is just they're more mind. People are more mindful of what they're eating, right? They're, they're making healthier choices. Um, I would say from a regime point of view, if you want to label it, it's more, I used what was called, it's called the Kaufman diet. It's anti-inflammatory eating basically. Um, but really just fruits and vegetables and, and meats and fish. Like, I mean, that's it. Like I didn't measure anything. I didn't worry about stuff. I didn't eat grains. Grains were out. I don't eat nightshades cause my body doesn't like nightshades. Um, but I thought I, I thought I was fine with nightshades before. And then when I cut the other things out and then I was eating the nightshades, I was like, Oh man, like 
okay, I guess I can't have tomato. I didn't really realize it because I was already in a flame. Like that's the, that's the thing. Like if, if people that are listening walk away with nothing else, I want you to walk away with the idea that you need to know what's causing whatever your symptoms are. So if you have pain, you have to figure out what's causing the pain. And the easiest thing to start with is food. That's the easiest thing because it's the thing you have the most control over and it's the thing that you can see results quickly. If I deal with my emotions and I deal with my mindset and I deal with my sleep, those things take time. They could take weeks, months, but food, years, right? Years. The journey I've been on has been years. But food, you can see a reduction in inflammation and pain. I've had clients of like seven days, seven days, just gave up gluten, gave up sugar, seven days. And the 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 way that they the difference in how they felt was huge in just a wow. week. So everybody's different. And everybody, like I said before, you need to decide, I, this is what I did. I have to decide what you want your life to look like moving forward. And as a person who was 40 years old and got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and I couldn't even sleep or walk or anything, I was like, this is stupid. I can't live like this anymore. But I went through the cycle for another five years until I actually did something real, like concrete and something that's maintained. Right. And so that's the other thing too. You want to find something that you can maintain and you can sustain that with your life. And, um, but knowing what, what's affecting it and causing it is really important. And food really does play a big role in it. That makes sense. And is so like, I'm, I love it. Um, I am already thinking about, you know, what do I want to do with that suggestion? So thanks. I cannot believe we have been sitting here talking for a we're out of time. So what have I not asked you that I really, really should have? Because there's a long list of things I was going to ask you, Fran, and we didn't get there. So what yeah. did I not ask that I really should have? So I have, so many people like to work with me one-on-one and I do a 12 week coaching program one-on-one. Um, we meet once a week and we go through a variety of things, but the main things that we focus on are triggers Um inflammation, negativity, and stress reduction. Those are the four key things. And then the fifth one that we add in there is some emotional stuff, um, which is usually the most difficult piece (laughs) for everybody, myself included, still working on it, but that's okay. It's a work in progress. Um, But then there, I also have a four week uh, program that you do on your own. So there's videos, there's worksheets, there's activities. You do it yourself. Um, It's four weeks and we cover that. We cover the triggers, we cover inflammation, negativity, and stress. Those are the four things, but you do it on your own. So I'm not there to guide you, but some people like to have a program that they can just buy and follow along and do their own work. And so I often find people will do that first depending on where they are. And then they are like, I need a little bit more guidance because they kind of can, you can only, you get so far and then you're like, okay, now what? I want more or I need more here. And I was good with this stuff, but I need help with the stress things. So then we do the one-on-one coaching. So those are kind of the two ways that people can work with me. They can kind of do themselves with this four-week program or they can do a 12-week with me. And some people do really, really well in 12 weeks. And they, I teach you tools. I teach you strategies that you can use on your own because I think things should be easy and sustainable. They shouldn't be like, I'm not a, I don't get up at five o'clock in the morning and I don't meditate for seven hours and I don't work out for two hours. I don't do any of that stuff. Like I, I do it, but not like that. Um, because I don't, it doesn't fit my lifestyle. And I know that it doesn't fit everybody's lifestyle. So when you have a coach that's like, you need to journal for two hours. I don't have two, I don't have two minutes. Like I journal when I poop, like that's when I journal. Cause that's the time that I have. Right. Like, I mean, that's the reality of life sometimes. And when you have someone who has somebody who has staff and who has someone who's running their business and taking care of their kids and doing meal prep for them. Yeah, of course you have two hours to journal because you have someone doing stuff for you. You have staff. I don't have staff. So I like it to be easy. Um, so you'll learn the tools and then you go on your own. And so I have clients that have done 12 weeks with me and off they go. And then I have other people that will do 12 weeks. And then I see them in six months. They're like, I need you. I'm, okay. We do another round. And then I have other people that are with me for like a year. So it all depends on what you need, right? 
but the program one-on-one with me is custom to your things. But those four key things are basically though. Everybody needs those. Even I use all the tools that I teach you as well. So that's awesome. And we will have links to all of that in the show notes. So we can easily find you. Um, and that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing so much and, and being so honest about your own journey and everything else. I really appreciate it. This has been very insightful. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was really great. I, I know sometimes I'm like, what? you're fine. I'm fine. a little that way myself. So you're a glad it. company friend. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> I appreciate it. You've been listening to, Hey, I want your job. For more information on how you can get your own awesome job, visit us at www.onhconsulting.com where we keep all the opportunities we're working on up to date. You can also reach out to us there to be your own in-house recruitment on demand. Check us out at LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta, or TikTok for more insider information. And soon, you'll be hearing us say, I'm Michelle Olivier, and hey, I want your job.